0: This is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu.
1: Hello and welcome to The Hindu's In Focus podcast. I'm Anand Krishnan, your host for today. In this episode, we are looking at the ongoing investigations into the China Eastern Boeing 737 800 crash in March. The plane was cruising at high altitude suddenly plunged into a near vertical descent and crashed into a mountain in China, killing all 132 people on board. Very little has come out so far on the investigations, but on May 17th, the Wall Street Journal reported that flight data indicated someone in the cockpit intentionally crashed the plane. This was according to people who were familiar with the U.S. officials' early assessments of what led to the crash. We are joined today to discuss this ongoing investigations, as well as ask the question, did a pilot bring the plane down? And is there precedence in what is known as pilot suicides, pilots intentionally crashing passenger planes? We are joined today by Captain Mohan Ranganathan, a veteran airline pilot, a former airline instructor pilot on Boeing 737, as well as a former member of the Civil Aviation Safety Advisory Council. Thank you so much. And as always, it's a pleasure to speak to you, Captain Ranganathan.
0: It's a pleasure.
1: So we've been following for the last few weeks this uh, really terrible incident in China, this crash of the China Eastern with no survivors. A little bit has been coming out in recent days. What do we know so far from what the Chinese have said, as well as what the Americans have said, this, of course, being a Boeing plane? And it seems, uh, Captain Ranganathan, that there's nothing to indicate a problem with the jet per se from what's come out so far from the black box and everything else that we know?
0: See, when the day of the crash, i had actually written an article for the Hindu. Mm -hmm. I pointed out, you know, there are only two ways this could have come down at such a steep rate. Either it is an unusually severe downdraft from a microburst or a wind shear, or it's a pilot suicide. But now with the latest Wall Street Journal article and other articles indicating that the U.S. authorities have identified this as human intervention, this takes hmm. me back to '97, when hmm. the Silk Crash had a similar thing on 19th December 1997. But here, what is interesting and disturbing is there were three pilots on board. So, unlike the other suicide events, there's an extra pilot on board. And how, I mean, whoever did it, if it's a suicide, which is what it is, unless, how did he disable the other two people? Because somebody or other should have intervened to stop that. You see, one of the things about the 737, if... In the normal attitude, you just can't pitch it into a dive because of the shape of the wings. As the speed picks up, it will pitch up. And, you know, when you talk of mechanical failure, what will happen is as the speed picks up, it will keep pitching up, then it'll poise. It's like a falling leaf. It's going to come. So that is why a mechanical failure would definitely be ruled out. Now, the only way the 737 could have been taken down at this rate by human intervention is you even invert it and put it into a dive. Then you have killed the lift over the wings. And that is what the Silk captain did. So unless you kill the lift, then put it into a dive, and then you have the vertical step, the force to hold it down is extremely severe.
1: I just wanted to come to that. You know, you did mention this article you wrote for The Hindu, and we will link to it below the podcast. And you had said that, you know, wind share could have been one thing, but uh, we should point out to the listeners that the Chinese authorities have ruled out weather as a cause from what they have said. They mm -hmm. said that there was no extraordinary weather event as far as they could tell. But just to come for our listeners to break it down in a very simple way, a question that I think a lot of people will be wondering if a pilot wanted to bring a plane down specifically a 737 that you are so familiar with how easy or difficult is it for them
0: with everything that's inbuilt into the plane for them to bring it down if they chose to see it is very easy in this because the DFTR and CBR have not been disabled unlike and what, and the, what is the DFTR and C V R just for us it is a digital flight data recorder, which records all the parameters of the aircraft. You know, the speed, the height, uh, angle of attack, the engine thrust, the whole. It records hundreds of data. And CDR is the cockpit voice recorder, which records all the conversation in the area. So Even if you are out of radio range with the air traffic control or other aircraft, but you have the area mic. Whatever conversation took place in the cockpit will be recorded. We don't know what they've been able to identify from a severely damaged CVR and DFDR. So for you to put it down, he heat would have had to sort of make it into a very sharp turn so that you increase the bank, angle of bank, go beyond 90 degrees, in which case it'll flip over and then force it down by pushing the control column all the way down and using the stabilizer trim to the maximum nose-down attitude and hold it there. And even then, the amount of pressure that is required to hold it down is extremely high.
1: So Mm -hmm. whoever
0: did it has to be a very strong person. Plus, I suspect he must have had training in aerobatics only a person who's a trained aerobat will be able to do this maneuver and he must uh, just like you know i had uh, mentioned about the malaysian airlines mm-hmm. who planned it so whoever did it must have practiced this on the simulator because you can't do it first time you'll be caught off by surprise when I tried the SilkAir thing on the set it took me five attempts with all my experience to fly that profile. So it could have been something only if it had been practiced by the person.
1: You did mention both SilkAir and MH three seventy, so if we can come to both of those first with the Silk crash, can you tell us a little bit about how difficult it is to pinpoint a pilot suicide as a source of an accident, because as you know, even with the SilkAir crash, it was highly debated. And generally, there's a reluctance of the host countries to acknowledge a pilot suicide because obviously it has repercussions. If it's one of their nationals, what does it say? And it leads to all sorts of questions. So, just coming to the SilkAir investigation first, given that that's something you looked at, how does one go about investigating and ascertaining this as a cause? And how sensitive is that in the process of doing
0: so? Okay, in the Silk Air crash, if you remember, before the final report came, a few months earlier, the Indonesian investigator, if I remember right, I think his name was Mr. Diran, who said that human intervention is the cause. Because, see, the co-pilot of that aircraft has flown with me. And I had written to his father, the images of the Silk crash showed that the tail was intact. And the stabilizer trim screw jack is in the tail section. And I said that my feeling is that screw jack will indicate zero. Because if you're using the electric trim, it'll go to two units. But if you go into manual trim, it, you can take, drive it all the way down to zero because the amount of force that is required to hold down for that profile, you can do it only if you drive it to zero. And the investigators did find the screw jack in zero position. And that is when the Indonesian investigator announced that human intervention. But then later they changed everything, but NTSB contested that they did their own checks they identified because you see, he had pulled out the cockpit voice recorder and the DFDR circuit breaker, which is located just behind the captain's seat. So he had pulled it out to deactivate the two recorders. But then, you know, the CVR, when you pull out the circuit breaker, there is a ping, the sound which is recorded. Even before the CVR goes out, the recording. And NTSB identified that when you pull it out or when it's an electrical failure, when the CB pops out, they are two different sounds. That is how they were able to identify that it was manually pulled out. For our listeners, the NTSB, Kevin, another it's, transportation. To, it's, the, it's the U.S.
1: Uh, National Transportation Safety Board. I think many people would say in some, it's the gold standard in terms of the way they go about their investigations. And in the... Case of the Silk Air crash in 1997, which was a Boeing 737 flying from Jakarta to Changi Airport in Singapore. Uh, the NTSB said came to the conclusion that it was a pilot suicide, that was first contested by the Indonesian. And coming to mh 370 which is something that a lot of our listeners would remember and be familiar with. In that situation as well, it was obviously this unprecedented mystery for such a long time. And could you tell us a little bit about how? Investigations into mh 70 play out, and what led you again to coming to the conclusion that it was a case again of a pilot's intervention.
0: You see, when you look at there were other after Silk crash, you had the Egyptian nine nine zero, and that was near Long Island in New York. It crashed into the Atlantic, and there the co-pilot of, he flew it down the other pilot walked in and there was a struggle in the cockpit and they took it down now I understand that the pilot of that Egypt Air was studying the Silk air because you see there is a site called PPRUN, Professional Pilot Rumor Network, in that there was a lot of discussion about the Silk crash, so uh, apparently that pilot must have studied that and The reason why I compare EG Play 990 to this is the age of the pilot. You see, in EG Play, the co-pilot had a grouse because he was not promoted to a captain's position. He had a grouse against the company. And so, you know, unfortunately, in Asia, West Asia and Southeast Asia, the loss of face is a big thing, and if you look at the current China, right? Just to uh, just to give our
1: listeners some background on the on the crew of the China Eastern flight, the captain whose name is uh, Yang Hongda was a Boeing seven three seven pilot uh, for four years with a total six thousand seven hundred flight hours. And interestingly, the first officer Zhang Junping, was actually one of the first officer was far more
0: experienced than the captain.
1: Uh, and he had about 31,000 flight hours, while there was also a second officer who was a kind of trainee on board. So your point being that, is it kind of unusual to have a first officer who's far more experienced than the captain?
0: See, the only way you can have a first officer who's far more experienced is if he has not been upgraded to a captain's position. Because he has not made the grade, or he had failed the assessment in one of the checks. So this could have happened. And in such a case, what happens is if you look at the experience level of the pilot in this flight, the captain is supposed to have had about 6,000 hours while the co-pilot has got almost about 31,000 hours or more than that. So in a situation like that, so what happens is there is always that, you know, here's a youngster trying to teach me it's quite likely he might have been at the controls. where There is a third pilot with 600 hours on board. So, if one of them, if the youngster had been there and he was telling him, and it could have been that any comment or any intervention from the other pilot could have hurt the ego of this person, or he had an axe to grind, which is very, very common in our areas. I mean, Asia. Middle East and all that and I thought it was confined only to this until the German wings took place so people have started you know when they have something which is when they want to take their lives they also want to send out a message because an air crash gets out a lot more publicity space in the media than any other if it's a normal suicide it won't even last for 24 hours but Something like this, there's a dramatic exposure. So I think people have started doing that. And I think, for instance, that Malaysian MH370 right. passed, I concluded. Like, you know, it is not so easy for an aircraft climbing. Who, it was already at 41,000 feet or something. And it is an experienced pilot who's got a simulator in his house. And I can tell you that any pilot who's been flying a lot wants to put his leg up and relax. But here's a pilot who has a simulator to practice. So unless you have some intention of trying out something, it is not going to happen. Now, he had a trainee pilot with him. And it's very like when you have that axis, you know, the age gradient, if an instructor or a trainee captain tells you, you know, please go back and check it out. And you can lock the cockpit door. And once you lock the cockpit door and you select denying that cockpit door lock, even if you punch in the code, you can't enter the cockpit from outside and you're locked out. So in the MH370, if you notice, if you look at that radar trace, which is there initially, he was flying for more than 20 minutes. And you know, if you depressurize the aircraft at 41,000 feet, you your oxygen you get it on, it'll last you for 20 minutes. But you have to get your oxygen on within 12 seconds, otherwise your brain dead. And after that, everyone on board. So nobody can interfere with his actions, like what happened in the 9-11 incident, where passengers barged in Pennsylvania one. So he had been studying all that. And that is why I said like the turn back and heading along the Malaysian border towards Penang. So the Thai Air Force doesn't come into the picture. So he's been descending to a lower level there. So the Air Force radar would have thought that it is some aircraft with a problem. So nobody would have been alerted. And he has climbed out from Penang along an airway which goes towards India.
1: So it was a very sort of
0: carefully thought out flight. Yeah, and then you know here anybody who flew on the Indian Ocean area near Andamans will know that radar doesn't work at night. The Air Force radar works only during day till about one o'clock. Unless I'm I'm sure they would have upgraded that now. And then if he went south, you see, there is no airway, there is not even shipping lanes on that. So maybe you should be able to look at that, and once you bring it down, you see if it is a crash, you could easily activate the the beacon like a locator beacon. but if he does a smooth touchdown, it does not activate the locator beacon, and for ditching when we normally did, one of the things required is just before you ditch you have to open the outflow valve so
1: mm-hmm. that
0: to depressurize the aircraft. If he had not opened, the, you know, if he had opened the outflow valve, water gets into the fuselage and the fuselage is very, very strong. And then, and if everyone on board is brain dead, after that, they're not going to feel it. So it goes down to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. There'll be no debris anywhere. Like, that's how the oh, air...
1: And it's very difficult, but, obviously, to to locate. And that's what we found. Just finally, yeah. Captain Rangnodhan, uh coming to... The question of how do you deal with these kind of incidents, and especially for listeners in India as well, are there things that airlines should be doing? For instance, as you said rightly, suicides happen. And when a pilot does it, it has, I mean, he has so many people's lives in his hands. Again, we're looking at past experiences. We should stress here that the China Eastern investigation is ongoing. But we have had in such instances in the past. Are there things that airlines should be doing in terms of whether it's as someone who worked for airlines for so many years? What are things that they can be doing in terms of whether it's engaging pilots or whether
0: it's mental health or other things? You see, one of the things that you have to worry, the two years of pandemic, many of the pilots have been affected financially. Financial stress is a huge impact. and. You know, even the best of airlines, like you've heard about the recent controversy in Indigo where the management were given huge payouts while the pilots have mm. not got, that is how mm. it started. And I understand in other airlines like SpiceJet, people have been getting pittance as the pay. Now, many of them have taken on lifestyle, which is living beyond their means. So they have EMIs and other things. So the pressure is far too much. So you have got pilots sitting in the cockpit whose mind is not in the cockpit. Any emergency can be handled if your mind is hundred percent in the cockpit. But if you got your half your mind is thinking, oh, I have to pay this loan, I have to pay that. That you know when you find that your whole lifestyle is affected financially this stress comes, And on top of that, you know, I'm going to bring a comparison to the Mangalore crash where that Yugoslav pilot was humiliated by the head of safety of Air India. You know, Mm. when he pulled him up for a hard landing, which is actually not a hard landing for the manufacturer's limit, but it was Air India's limit. Just just to briefly interrupt, uh, the Mangalore
1: crash was Air India Express flight 812. In, in 2010, was on a flight from Dubai to Bangalore, and of um, 158 people were killed as a result of that crash. So it was one of the worst air tragedies as far as India's aviation history was concerned. Sorry to interrupt just to give listeners that
0: background, but please go ahead. I right, had 158 passengers. Anyway, so after he was pulled up for that, what happens is, in the back of your mind, every time you're going for a landing, you mm. want to do a smooth touchdown. Every other input is wiped out. In a safety, we call it presonitis. So your focus is only on a smooth touchdown, or you want a touchdown, and no other inputs. whether the copilot says go around, or your ground proximity warning system keeps yelling out, you know, pull up, pull up, nothing will register. So Mm. he went in for a late, smooth touchdown. And yes, there were a lot of other things like latent violations of the safety standards by airport authority. All that was covered up. But what I'm trying to say is when Mm. you humiliate a pilot, especially a senior pilot, if all these things, when you are under extreme stress, Mm. really accelerates into your decision-making in the wrong sense. So when they find that they are humiliated with maybe loss of income they may be even other like loan sharks being mm. pressing on you then someone could take the extreme step okay the airline is fixing me so let me fix the airline so it's more about
1: having the right environment the right culture where safety is paramount where you know pilots job securities are maintained and guaranteed is is that what you is that what should be the aspiration and In your sense, how does India fare when it comes to having that kind of right safety environment to allow pilots
0: to function as they should? Yeah, they should. They should have a safety. You know, airlines, all of them, the regulator, the airlines, keep saying safety is paramount. But do they consider safety as paramount? Because when you start, you know, like, take even the recent, the last year's Calicut crash. The investigation body, the AIIB, identified so many things, though they only put a small amount, but the recommendations were huge. And not one of them have been activated even one year later. You see, similarly, what happens is when you get into a culture that you have to bring accident prevention, your investigation to identify and prevent the recurrence. But what we are doing, when you find the same kind of thing happening and somebody gets away with something which is serious, while somebody else is blamed for a minor event, then you do not take care of their... You see, you've got to remember that the pilot in the cockpit is a human being. He's not a machine. So you have to take human factor into the consideration, his emotions, his stress. Fatigue and stress is something that they do not address at all. And unless they start doing that seriously, what if we have a similar event, and I wouldn't be surprised, even though on paper they are all projecting that we are, you know, the growth is fast, we are getting the load factor back. But if you find that there is stress in the mind of the pilot, and especially a financial stress, we could face a similar problem in India. And in India it is going to be far more serious because of the population around the airports. So that is something that the minister and the DGCA, if they really are serious about safety, they cannot wait. They have to act now, not wait for another crash, you know, before they now that look at the speed at which Chinese have identified this or the report has come. It's just two and a half months. We take years and still we procrastinate and we don't take any action on what were the findings of earlier crashes. And we are sitting on a bombshell very soon under the action.
1: A final question on the China Eastern investigation, as you said a report had come out, but the but in past cases, of course, countries have been reluctant to accept or acknowledge pilot suicide as a factor. And the early response from China seems to be similar. And there's, of course, political connotations involved as well when when you have China in the middle of dealing with a pandemic and so many other things. And to have a tragedy that's, if it does turn out to be caused intentionally by a pilot, would be something that's very awkward and uncomfortable for the Chinese authorities as well. So how do you expect that investigation to go forward? The day after the Wall Street Journal story was published, I think they were quite quick to rebut it and say that, you know, it's speculative and it undermines the investigation. As you said, China has improved a lot when it comes to air safety investigations. But if it does come to an issue like pilot suicide, do you expect similar sensitivities that you saw in other countries to
0: surface again? They will do everything in their position to counter this. Now, if it has come out from the American sources, you know, I have to be quite blunt in this because the only time NTSB has ever published a counter to an official report was in the case of Silk Air crash. In all the other cases, you will find that NTSB is not. Now, like I wrote in an article as a counter to the New York Times Magazine article, blasting the Lion Air and the Egypt Air Max crash pilots. And I wrote, I said, like you mentioned, every country tries to cover up their own thing. Like we talk of NTSB being the gold standard and FAA being the gold standard. But we've seen what happened in the case of Max. The FAA painted themselves with a dirty brush. Now, talking of NTSB, And I have to mention a very shocking thing, which a lot of people will be upset, is that famous Hudson River ditching. I actually wrote to someone in NTSB whom I know that if you looked at the cockpit voice recorder, which was published in the NTSB thing, the captain says, turning back to LaGuardia, that was 17 seconds after the loss of engine thrust on both engines. And the radar tells him to turn left onto a particular heading. He could have made it back into LaGuardia. A few seconds later, he says, I'm putting it down in the Hudson. Now, when I saw the movie, Sully, I was quite uh, annoyed. Because if you see in the first part, they say that it was a pilot. And then he argues. And then they give him 35 seconds. While the voice recorder clearly indicates that at 17 seconds, he said, turning back to LaGuardia. He would have made it back. He was only four miles from LaGuardia. But he went all the way and ditched. But NTSB helped in covering up what could have been a straightforward investigation report. Similarly, in the case of the British Airways 777 undershoot accident in Heathrow, what he did was wrong, you Mm. know, by taking the flaps up. You don't take the flaps up unless you're at speed. And they covered it up. So like you mentioned earlier, every country... Tries to cover up their flaws so that yeah. it doesn't come back on them. And I expect the same thing here. But yeah. here it involves a 737, which is one of the most popular aircraft flying in the world. Now the Chinese will deny. And I wouldn't be surprised if NTSB comes up with a report just like what they did with Silke to get going.
1: Right. And of course, there's an added element of difficult China-U.S. relations as well. So this could very well become a diplomatic issue. We will, we will keep an eye on the investigation as more information comes out on this terrible China-Eastern crash and the lessons for it for broader aviation as well, including for India. I'm sure we will have you back on the podcast, Captain Mohan Ranganathan. Thank you so much for joining the Hindu In Focus podcast today.
0: Thank you, Amin.